0: Hello and welcome to another episode of The Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Villotti, and I am really excited today to dive into another core angle and channel and process for businesses as they think about their growth strategy, especially in B2B enterprise, which is ABM or account-based marketing. And to dig into that today, I am joined by John Miller, who is the CPO, Chief Product Officer at Demandbase, and was previously co-founder at Engageo and Marketo. John, thanks so much for joining.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to talk about this topic.
0: Yeah, I I think we've covered a lot of different growth channels in the past year with different guests, and we haven't yet touched on ABM. So why don't you introduce yourself for the folks listening, and then we'll go ahead and jump in.
1: Awesome. Yeah, well, so as you just heard, I was one of the co-founders and the first chief marketing officer at Marketo. And at Marketo, I think we were one of the companies that helped pioneer kind of quote unquote demand generation, the kind of marketing where you, I almost like to call it fishing with a net. You throw your campaigns out there and you catch fish and you don't care which specific fish you catch, you just care how many did you catch. And that worked really well for Marketo for a long time. But as we sort of tried to move up market and find new engines of growth, We had to pioneer another way of going to market that was much more targeted and focused. It was much more like fishing with a spear, where we sort of identified those big companies that we wanted and we went after them kind of in a very specific focused way. So, after doing that for a while at Marketo, after nine years at Marketo, and it was time for me to sort of move on and do my next thing, I was thinking about the challenges that I had doing this kind of spear phishing approach back at marketo made me realize there was an opportunity for a new company that could really focus on that kind of marketing and that's what led me to found engageo back in 2015. so we built engage yeah, and, and that t- the whole idea of spear phishing is what became known as account-based marketing so uh spent about five years building engageo to be one of the leading ABM platforms and then earlier this year in 2020 I uh, made the decision to actually join forces with the largest company in our space, DemandBase, with a belief that combining what Engageo did with DemandBase did would create, we think, the most complete, most unstoppable ABM platform. And that's kind of how I got to what I'm doing today.
0: I love that. That's super cool. I didn't realize that you basically like built the motion of ABM had it working, and then you built the company on top of that. I think that's a good good, quick lesson for for folks listening that sometimes things that you're doing within your company that's that are working, that you're kind of piecing together are a huge opportunity that you could take to market as you could see with John's situation here.
1: The strategy worked great. It was just trying to do this account-based focus with Marketo, which was a lead-based system. That was the challenge that created the opportunity.
0: Yeah. My next question here was going to be, can you define account-based marketing? I think you kind of did that, right? It's the difference between spear phishing and just kind of like getting whatever fish you you can.
1: Yeah. You know, I I think if I were to expand on that definition a little bit more formally, I'd say, first of all, account-based marketing is a go-to-market strategy. It's not a campaign. Really, it's a way of thinking about how you run your programs that really leverages focus. The whole idea is you pick fewer things to focus on and therefore do a better effort <laughs> You know, focusing on them. And then the last thing I'll, I'll say is, in many ways, account-based marketing is a misnomer because it's really not a marketing thing. It's really, again, it's a go-to-market strategy for your sales team, your marketing team, and your sales team. And so it's a go-to-market strategy to coordinate personalized marketing and sales efforts to land and expand high-value accounts.
0: Yep, and to... Add a little bit more clarity for maybe folks that aren't super familiar, who is usually a good fit for doing account-based marketing strategies? Because it's not necessarily everyone always, like a direct-to-consumer brand might not be a good fit for it, but who is?
1: Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I think the fishing analogy works here, right? Again, if, if, if your business is made up of capturing lots of small fish, it's going to be more efficient to fish with a net right? ABM strategies work best when you do want to sort of pick a specific focus. So I would say typically ABM strategies start kicking in, at least let's just talk about software as a service technology companies. It starts to kick in around $50,000 deals, you know, a year. Smaller than that, maybe you might use some account-based lenses, but but it's just not worth the focus that ABM needs. So you have to say 50K deals and up, Would be sort of a good way to sort of think about it, I'd say.
0: Yep. And someone that has more of a consumer type offering, really, what like, have you seen it work in consumer cases? Well, maybe, you know, let's
1: just spend a minute being a little bit more precise here. Mm -hmm. Because ABM is not, I think, a monolithic strategy, even. I think there are tiers and styles of ABM. So at the top of a pyramid, there's what I'm going to call strategic ABM. And this is your kind of classic, every every interaction with that company is completely bespoke. Like literally, like there's a company, DSE. They sell $30 million deals. They literally hire a branding agency to create a brand for the campaign to each individual customer, which is worth it because it's $30 million. So you have this like super high-end strategic. Let's just say that's your $2 million deals and up. You know, on average, or the median number of accounts that people have of that style is, is 14. You just, you can't do that level of focus for that many accounts. There's a scale style of ABN, which maybe is good for your like, say, half million dollar deals, your high six-figure deals. And this is more of a one-to-few style approach. It's very focused on kind of micro-industries and micro-verticals, but it's still very highly relevant and personalized, you know, around those accounts. Then you're gonna have your programmatic style of ABM. This is maybe your 50 to 100K deals. This style is much more driven by technology, using things like intent data to identify accounts and advertising to reach out to them. And then below 50K, I think you can still do things what I would call targeted demand-gen. You might send a direct mail campaign or do advertising. And you might as well focus that on accounts that you think are good fits in your ICP. Ideal customer profile. Again, if you're going to show ads, you might as well target the good accounts and deal with your ads. But it doesn't have that level of personalization to the account. And so we could debate whether that kind of account-targeted demand gen is really ABM or not. Frankly, it doesn't matter You know, as long as it works for your business. But it, it's highly dependent, I think, on your ACVs.
0: Yeah. I'm just thinking about how we put this into practice at Drift. We we kind of have two different buckets of accounts. We have targeted accounts, which we're generally going to run more ABM type stuff towards. And then we have what we call volume accounts, which is kind of like everyone else, lower ACV, a fit for our classic marketing sales machine.
1: Yeah, exactly. Which it almost gets into like your scoring methodology, even right? You know, I mean, if you're fishing with the net, some stuff that gets caught in the net, you're going to want, and some stuff that gets caught in the net, you don't want. That's a way of sort of thinking about targeting as well.
0: Yeah. So let's say, so you just ran through that example. Let's say there's folks that are listening that fit into one of those buckets. Maybe not the super top of the pyramid, because maybe there's some folks listening, <laughs> but I don't think that they're in my audience. So let's say that you're you're more towards like the middle, bottom, and You're wondering, all right, like we've been talking about ABM for a while at my company, but we haven't done it before. I think it's time to get started. Like, how does someone start?
1: Yeah. Well, I think in terms of getting your whole organization on board, I mean, you can obviously talk about the main benefits of an ABM approach, you know, which to me, again, I think more than anything else comes down to that focus. ABM is a low waste marketing strategy because you're putting as many of your dollars as you can onto the, and, and as much of your effort as you can onto the accounts that matter. That tends to sort of just make intuitive sense to a lot of people. But the group you really need to convince to get on board is sales. Because as I said, ABM is not just a marketing tactic. You need marketing and sales to work together. Again, the good news is that it's usually not that hard to convince salespeople. Right? You go to them and say, hey, rather than doing all this generic marketing I've been doing, I'm going to take 100% of my effort and put it onto the accounts that you tell me you care about. Sales usually feels pretty good about that. Because you know, the reality is at the end of the month or the end of the quarter, sales doesn't celebrate the number of leads they closed. right? They celebrate the number of accounts they closed. And so for marketing to go to sales and start saying, hey, I'm going to be account focused, usually that just means they're all speaking the same language, which is pretty good.
0: Yeah, and I think what's really important to highlight there because I've heard people at earlier companies like start an ABM type strategy and it comes across as siloed in marketing, like what you were saying, like it's not a campaign, but it does seem like some folks start as like we in marketing are going to get this list and then we are going to just like send personalized stuff to that list like you you're saying it is much more than that it's not just a one team thing it has to be like a full on approach
1: yeah i mean my my buddy Joe Turnoff who's now the CMO over at Pendo but was previously the CMO at Insight Squared, which is another Boston company they did exactly what you just said right they identified a list of accounts they thought were interesting And they they basically offered them all a cool pair, a really cool pair of, I think, Nike shoes if they would take a meeting, which is an expensive campaign to send to all these accounts. And they generated a bunch of meetings, and then they sent those over to the sales team, and the sales team basically said, yeah, no, I don't want to meet with those guys. Right? And the whole thing was a big waste. You know, it was a real lesson learned in the importance of working together with sales to align.
0: Yeah. And... So let's say you got to a point where you as maybe leadership in marketing or sales have gotten both groups on board and we say, all right, we want to go ahead and move forward with a cohesive ABM strategy. What's my next step? Do I write up a plan? Do I just like get a list? Like, how do I go from there? Well,
1: I mean, it starts by choosing your targets, you know, finding the accounts that you're mutually going to focus on. And I recommend first really getting clarity about how many accounts you can truly support. Remember the different styles I talked about earlier. I mean, a lot of companies will say, okay, we're going to have 50 tier one accounts. But you can't give... Completely bespoke attention to 50 accounts. And maybe you don't sell two million dollar deals. And so having even bespoke strategies doesn't make sense. So start by like really, what are your ACVs? What are the styles of ABM you're going to be practicing? And use that to identify the number of accounts that you can have in each tier. And then once you know the number of accounts, you then have to go pick them. And that I think works best with the process that I sort of call marketing supported, but sales owned. So for all the reasons we just said, at the end of the day, sales needs to pick the accounts. They need to feel ownership of like, yes, this is one that I want. You get me a meeting or you get me engagement at that account, that's a good thing. But marketing should really be the one driving the process and supporting it with data and intelligence. And the way I like to do that is with a methodology that we call the FIRE methodology. And FIRE is an acronym that stands for Fit, Intent, Relationship, and Engagement. So what that means is marketing can go and identify first you know, those four things and give that data to sales. And then sales can use those insights when they pick their accounts. So let's talk about those four things because they're important. So the first one, the F for fit. You know, this is really, how well does this account fit my ideal customer profile? This is a great place to use machine learning if you have access to it. Tell me the accounts that have been, who are your customers and who are your good accounts. Let's look at their, who they are. Let's look at what technologies they may use. You know, let's look at other factors about this account and basically identify other accounts that look like your best ones. Those are gonna be your high fit accounts, which usually are pretty good ones to, to focus on. The second one, your eyes, is your intent. So intent has become really high in I say the last three or four years or so, because what we're finding is that more and more research is happening off of our website. So you know, tools like Drift are great once somebody gets to your website. <laughs> and you can start engaging with them. But how do you even know, you know, when a company is thinking about making a purchase and they're doing all that offsite research? So intent data basically lights up those insights. By basically looking at, hey, what topics are account people from that company researching? And then, you know, when you start to see trends there, like wow, a whole bunch of people at this account just started researching cybersecurity. That's a good sign that maybe there's a cybersecurity initiative going on there. And if you sell cybersecurity, that's, that really high, should highlight that account in your prioritization. So intent is really important. The R stands for relationship. And that has to do with a bunch of factors. You know, one, obviously existing customers versus new customers, that matters. But moreover, like, have you sold to this account in the past? And that might have insights in terms of whether you should pick it as a target account or even just the people. Are there people at that account who used to be your customer at another company or that you've sold to in a prior job? All that relationship stuff should go into your ranking. And last but not least, the E stands for engagement, right? And this is, is that account interacting with you on your website, with your marketing campaigns? Are they responding, engaging with you? Are they spending time with you? And that's so important because really, before somebody spends money with you, they're going to spend time with you. And engagement is a great way to track that. So get all the information about the fire metrics, present that to sales, and then sales is in a great position to pick the right accounts.
0: Do you think, from the all the companies and accounts that you've seen implement ABM strategy, is there one part of that or two parts of it that you see get glossed over? more than others that that create major problems in implementation later on?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Probably the biggest mistake I see is something I alluded to a second ago, which is you have too many accounts, especially too many accounts at the top tiers. I've seen people just say, yeah, I have a target account list of 4,000 accounts. That's my target list. Okay, you're not really doing ABM then because you can't, again, kind of classic ABM, Because you can't be extra relevant and extra personalized to 4,000 accounts. And so if you want to do this strategy, it is about focusing. It is about putting more resource onto fewer accounts so that you can stand out (laughs) in a crowded market. And because you can't focus on everything, that's why the prioritization of where you are focusing ends up being so important.
0: That makes a lot of sense. So let's say now you walked us through the process that marketing goes through with FIRE, hands it over to sales, pick all the accounts. Like then what is the motion after that? Like what's the next step? Do you just start planning campaigns to those groups? Like, well, I don't actually know what happens next.
1: (laughs) (laughs) now, Now you have to start engaging right with them and actually try to reach out. And what you'll find is that there are, I mean, there are a lot of different tactics that people use, and it depends on your style of ABM. At that top tier, strategic $2 million deals, what matters is creating account-specific content and putting in place executive-to-executive relationship programs. The programmatic one and the more scale-oriented ones is where a lot of people are are, are doing ABM today. That tends to be about 80% online driven by email, your focused emails, and advertising. And the advertising one is pretty interesting because if you've got this account that says showing intent for your products, but they aren't coming to your website, if you can really target ads just to that account and maybe even target those ads based upon the keywords they're showing intent for and use that to drive them to a appropriate page on your website, that can be really pretty compelling and powerful you know, as a way to to get people to engage. Another tactic that is really pretty common today is sending direct mail packages. It's a little tricky because you need to find where people's home addresses are today. But people get a lot of email and they don't get as many packages. So a good direct mail campaign can kind of stand out in the crowd. But the most important thing is not any one channel. It's not oh, ads, okay, great, I'm doing ABM, or ooh, direct mail, I'm doing ABM. It's about orchestration. It's about getting all of these things to kind of work together, including marketing and sales. So you don't just send the direct mail package, you also are running ads to that account to create our cover, and most importantly, you have your SDRs primed to reach out to that account as soon as the package gets delivered, or just even something simpler. The accounts that the SDRs are going after, those should also have ads running against them. And so just really think about this orchestrated engagement across channels is the way that you're going to engage.
0: And who is the person that you think, or maybe it's the same thing that you think should and that you see own this strategy? Like, is this a... If you're going into ABM, you need to hire a person to oversee the strategy. Does the VP of marketing own it? Does sometimes a growth person own it? Like, Where does that live or is it a shared thing? The answer
1: to that varies a lot. Because there's relatively few companies that are 100% ABM or 100% demand gen. 100% Spears, 100% Nets. A lot of companies actually span 20, 30K deals up to six or seven figure deals. And so, what you'll see is again, a large company may actually create within the demand gen function or within the growth or revenue function two different teams an ABM team and a demand gen team. That's the way we used to do a backup Marketo, for example. Sometimes you'll see that ABM lives inside the digital marketing team because they're taking a very digital advertising centric approach. And sometimes, and one of my favorite places for ABM to live is actually with marketing operations. Just like demand gen really requires good marketing operations, I think ABM does as well. So anyway, long answer to basically say, it's all over the map. ABM lives in lots of different places. Sometimes it's somebody with an ABM title, sometimes it's not. It's really more about the strategy.
0: Yep. And one last question I got here. How do you think about measurement of an ABM program? Like, is the measurement just the revenue that I get out the other end? Is it some other measure of the funnel? Is it all the above? Good question. I mean, obviously revenue and pipeline are great metrics, right,
1: And because and, the more marketers can talk about dollars, the more they're speaking the language of business. But the problem is you can't wait a year to see results in ABM. And it can take a really long time because you're going after these big accounts and these big accounts aren't raising their hand and coming to you, you're going to them. So you still need leading indicators, right? To show that you're making progress on the way towards pipeline and revenue. And the best way I know to do that is to really get rigorous about defining your account funnel or your account journey. Just like in demand gen, we used to talk about MQLs and SQLs and SALs, and we sort of really got good at understanding how our leads would move through different stages. Do the exact same thing for your accounts and really say, all right, in my target market, how many accounts are showing intent? Of those, how many are coming to me and visiting my website or responding to my marketing campaigns? Of those, how many are showing like, deep research signs? A deep engagement with me. How many of those do I have meetings with? How many of those do I have opportunities with? And by literally building out these like precursor stages, you get to start of have those leading indicators, you know, that are so 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 essential. Because at the end of the day with ABM, it's not about the traditional quantity-based metrics. It's not about how many people showed up at my event. Right? David Ogilvy has a great quote. He says, Don't count the people you reach, reach the people that count. And I think that's a really good way to summarize ABM measurement. It's about quality, not just quantity.
0: Love that. So that felt like a great point to wrap. I I usually ask the question of, was there anything else that you wanted to touch on around this ABM process that we didn't cover?
1: I guess, I mean, I'll I'll finish with just one other piece of advice, which is related to measurement, related to other things too. I've seen people wrap their heads around an axle trying to come up with a grand, unified of measurement especially people who do both demand Gen and ABM trying to say well I'm going to measure everything in this one way and the reality is I think it's okay to measure your different funnels differently it's okay to have a lead- based metric system to measure your net fishing and then also put in place this more account based metric system to support your spear fishing and don't let people try to force you into sort of just pigeonholing into kind of one
0: funnel great. Well, John, thank you so much. This was great. I appreciate you coming on.
1: Absolutely. Great topic. Happy to talk more about it with anybody who wants to reach out.
0: Awesome. So that is the episode today. If you're a fan of this, there are plenty more really great episodes with amazing guests. Hit that subscribe button. Check out the library. Leave a review. If you've got any feedback at all, my email is Just drop me a note and I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks.